With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, and it's time for another week of Crossed Up Radio here on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo here with you, along with Bob Wankel, as I am every week. Uh, and Bob, we, we kind of thought that last week we were going to have a lot to talk about the day after the baseball season ended, and nothing happened. And here we are, day eight of holding the Phillies manager hostage, and we still have nothing to talk about. The Phillies are still in the same Boat they were in last week, minus a pitching coach, which we'll get into. We'll talk about the change at the pitching coach. But Gabe Kapler is still the manager, but they haven't said one way or the other if he's coming back or if he's going to be replaced. So you're the guy who's down there. You're the guy who talks to everybody. What the heck is going on with this team? Yeah, I mean, we don't really have anything new to talk about. So if you uh, <laughs> wanted to tune in to hear about some baseball talk, just go back to another station and you can talk about the no. Eagles and Carson Wentz and how he was 58% yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know what? There, I think the conversation has changed over the last seven days. I know that they haven't made a decision and they haven't. I mean, if you look at the latest reports, I mean, both Jim Salisbury and, and Matt Breen kind of came out with separate pieces today saying like they're still in this evaluation stage. It's nearing its conclusion. It's, it's amazing, right? That we're actually at this point here where they have not yet made a decision. My sense has been throughout the course of the last week, as this has gone along, that it's, I I think we all want to make a conclusion like, Oh, it's more likely or it's less likely that he's coming back. And if you're asking me what I think is going to happen based on the way that this last week has played out, I think the door is open for him to return. I just don't think that you give this much consideration and then turn around and, and can him. But th- this this is almost unprecedented, what we're seeing right now. Yes. So that being said, I, I guess nothing would surprise well, so me at I, this point. I, I certainly see it how you see it, Bob, in the sense that if you were going to fire him, you should have fired him by this point, okay? Well, waiting this long does you no good. It only makes you look like the the operation is is not well run. Let me ask you something right there. <laughs> That's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. So, you know, people like myself, people like you, we're talking about uh, the Phillies looking competent because they haven't made a decision yet, or the optics of this, it, it's terrible. I, I guess when you step back from it, though, and once the season starts next April or late March, does it really matter? Like, does it matter that the Phillies took an extra seven or eight days to make this decision than what we would have anticipated? Does it matter that he did his due diligence? Does it matter that he talked to the players late into the weekend? Does it matter? Like, yes, does it any ma- of this matter? Yes, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how, how it matters and why it matters. It matters because everybody else is paying attention, right? Agents and players who are free agents and the like, they're paying attention to what's going on here. And if they're seeing an organization that doesn't know what the heck it wants to do, 
that makes you say, do I really want to consider? Like, if I have two choices, is that a place that I want to go to? Is that a place that I think that will be successful in the in the near future? That I could trust the people at the top to get me to where I want to go? I don't know. I think that there's a lot to that, Bob. It, well, could there be anything said for the fact that they have taken their time and they haven't made some hasty decision? No. Like they say, oh, they're a little bit more thoughtful. They're a little bit more introspective. They no. You should have known. It's not like it's not like the Phillies were in a situation where it came down to the, uh, that last weekend and they missed the playoffs because they lost a game, right, or whatever. And you didn't know it hung in the balance. We knew three weeks ago that the uh, John Middleton and all the execs were in Washington for the five-game series, okay, and they were down there having meetings and talking about it then. What more do you need to do? Apparently, from stories that we're reading, this evaluation really started to come up at the All-Star break, and discussions started then. So if we're talking about something that has taken place over the course of the last three months, how can you not know by now? What more diligence can... Who else are you asking? Who else is John Middleton checking in with that he hasn't had a chance to check in with at this point? That's what I don't understand. And so you have to, in my mind, you have to make an announcement one way or the other. Is he coming back? Great. Is he not coming back? Great. Whatever your decision is, you have to have done it because you're holding fans hostage at this point. There are people out there, and we'll talk about this because I know you want to discuss because we talk about it off air. There are people out there who are waiting to buy their season tickets to, to see who the manager is going to be next year. Whether that's and, fair and before or not, we get to that, because I do doing. want to talk about yeah. that, and I think that that's something that we can spend some time on. But before we even get there, what are the baseball implications of this? Because there's been some speculation, or maybe not even speculation. I, I've seen it with my own, my own eyes. I don't know that it's necessarily a lack of accountability with Cave Kapler and his players, but I do think it's a loose clubhouse. It's definitely a player-friendly clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not one of these manager-player situations where he rules with an iron fist, right? So the longer this goes on, if he does return, and, and this is something that I'll want to ask him, and, and I will either do so myself or somebody will, is there any concern about this delay further sort of undermining him, further creating some doubt amongst the players that, like, this isn't this isn't really yeah. a guy that we have to take seriously or a guy that we have to feel accountable to because, accountable to, because, you know, the, the organization didn't even know if they wanted him back at yes, this point. And not just for and not just for this reason, Bob. When you look at it, Gabe brought in, Gabe's guys were John Malley and Chris Young, hitting coach, pitching coach, two pro- main assistants, okay? I mean, yes, the bench coach, Rob, but Robbie Thompson is an important guy as well, and Bobby Dickerson is an important guy as well, and Dusty Wathen and um, the first base coach. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, uh, Figueroa. Fi- yeah, Figueroa. Paco Figueroa. Yeah. Um, they're all important guys as well. But really, hitting coach, pitching coach are the two most important assistant coaching positions. One of them gets fired in season and is replaced by Charlie Manuel by the owner. Okay, so the owner makes that change. And the other guy gets fired – Although no official announcement about it, because he might be reassigned in the in the in the in the organization, which we'll talk about, you know, here in this on this program today. But he's going to he's getting let go again, probably not Gabe's call, and he's going to be replaced by someone who I can almost ensure you is going to be the owners uh, on the owner's side of of thinking of who he wants to put in that spot. Okay, and the result is going to be what the manager if Gabe comes back is now going to have to use, have a hitting coach and a pitching coach that are not his people, 
right? And so, therefore, what message does that send to the players when the manager can't even control his own coaching staff because they keep they're getting fired around him? Can you think of any situation in the history of sports, and I'm sure it exists, I can't off the top of my head, where the more the owner is actively involved in the operations, the better it is for the team. It just seems like it never ends well. Now, that's not to say that an ownership or, or a guy has to step in and say, I have to take control of this. I don't like the direction it's going in. That's fine. I mean, it's his team. He can do what he wants to do. But it just seems like... Okay, I'm going to fire the hitting coach. I'm going to make this move. I'm going to have this suggestion. Yeah, you don't like you don't like, like you more, don't like meddlers. Yeah, you don't like, like the meddling more that owners. he gets into the middle of things, the more concerned I get. Well, you don't like meddling owners, but there, I mean, there have been owners who have come in and said, "All right, I'm making now, I'm making George this change." Is, is the example right. of this? But I mean, in baseball, for sure, he's yeah. the, he's the he's the example. But I'll I'll tell you, I mean, look, if you don't want to go far, just look here in Philadelphia. Look at what Laurie did a couple years ago. But he right. recognized his mistake, got rid of Chip Kelly, reinstalled but his own what people. what he did was he said, this is, you've got to go. I'm bringing in my guys again. We're going to create this family and we atmosphere. Want a, and we want a Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they won the Super Bowl. But right. this is, I think the thing that is this just is startling different. about this yes. is like, well, we're going to make some changes. We're making these changes. We're not sure if we're going to make <laughs> these changes. Hang on and we'll see another two or three weeks. Yeah, I just, that's the thing. And, and that's where I have issues with the optics of it. And then my other concern is, not just to the extent in which the the owner is getting involved, but so he's soliciting opinions from everybody, and that's fine. That's great. You want to talk to your your front office. You want to talk to players. You want to talk to people around the park. I wouldn't be surprised if he has spoken to um, you know not I don't even want to say rival executives, but people within the game. What do you see from the outside looking in? I wouldn't be surprised if he's also talked to people from the media here. To to be perfectly honest with you, fine. My question is these dissenting opinions where, you know, you have people that he trusts that are saying Gabe's not the guy. Like, you've, you've got to go in a different direction. That's okay. You don't want necessarily everybody in your organization to always be on the same page. You want a disagreement. That's right. good. But is this a 50-50 divide across the board? Is this one very powerful and important voice that has his ear that's causing a hang-up here? Like, wh- that's I, what I'm what really I, curious What about. I want to know is... And I think this is the, one of the more underreported things is where do the other owners fit in on the on this? Like to me, yeah, Middleton's the managing partner, and Middleton's the guy who ultimately makes this call. But don't get me; there are what a half dozen other owners of the Phillies or whatever that are that, and they have meetings and they they are down at the games and they have opinions, whether right or wrong. <laughs> you know, they have their opinions. Like, are they? And they're all old, kind of old school. So maybe they're the ones. I was going to say that. The older you are, I think the less you like Gabe. <laughs> right. You know? That's what I'm thinking. It's like they're more. I don't see too many 65-year-olds sitting here evaluating so this. Maybe what, I love this. Maybe this what great. John Middleton's yeah. dealing with, Bob, is he's dealing with the money people sitting there saying, guys got to go. We don't like them. And the people he's got in place managing the team, like your Clentax and McPhail, even though McPhail's older, but still, maybe those guys are sitting there saying, John, just trust us. Just trust us. He's going to be fine. He's going to be a good manager. Please give him a chance. And he's stuck in the middle. Like, do I appease the owners or do I appease the, the manager? The problem that I have with that narrative, though, is that if you have, if, if and it's it's been reported certainly that Clentac is in his corner, in, in Gabe's corner. Sure. If you are going to solicit the opinion of your general manager and your baseball operations people and say, I hear you. Okay. We're going to go a different direction. <laughs> 
like you've completely neutered the power of your primary baseball decision makers. There is a and, and there's a no a win situation. Fallout of there's that. a no win. The only way that you win is either they all stay or they all go. That's the only way you win by splitting the baby. Both everybody loses. Like and don't you look at that? And if you're Matt Clintac, you must you must be saying, well, this this isn't what I want. This these aren't the conditions that I really agree to. Like, right. I'm trying to instill these philosophies. I need my guy to do it. And and now you're taking my guy away from me. But at the same time, what clout does he really have at this point? We're three, four years into this thing. They're woefully underperforming. They're nowhere near the level of what we've seen this week with the Atlanta Braves, who are still leading, I believe, in game four. Yeah, although the game. Goldschmidt just hit a nice double and okay. got on base. All right, so are, at the very least, yes. worst case scenario, the Braves are going five yeah. right now in the NLDS. Washington, a really good week of playoff baseball as well. The Phillies are so far beyond behind this right now. So, like, it's not like Matt Clintac's going to say, well, you take my guy away from me, I'm going to go elsewhere eventually. I mean, yeah. He's got to be happy to have a job right now. And isn't it a little bit baffling to you that no consideration whatsoever, like none, that his job was never in jeopardy? Like, we were happy with you, but we might have to make a change down in the dugout. How do you evaluate? Like, this is my thing. I don't know. I'm all fired up today. Good. How do you look at this and what has transpired over the course of the last two seasons? And you're soliciting the opinions of all of these different people. And not one of them said, hey, man, your general manager built a team that was fatally flawed, that you never developed guys for depth purposes in the minor leagues, that you were so fixated on chasing after a superstar this past offseason that you didn't build the 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 depth in your roster. I'm sure he heard that. And he just said, no, well, you know, I'm not, Matt's my guy. He was convinced after that. No, I'm I sure, just don't get it. I don't know. And I, the only thing to get Bob is that Matt Klintak is signed through 2022. God. That's, that's, that's the only thing to if get. That's really what it is. And I, I almost would have to give the Phillies the benefit of the doubt. It, that cannot be the determining <laughs> factor. It you just cannot boy, be. Hey, you gave the guy an extension. In March, you gave him an extension. Ugh. How can you sit there six months later and say, "All right, forget it, you're out"? <laughs> yeah, like I, I you had to have the foresight. I just don't know that how you could objectively look at this, and and I don't want to reiterate what we've talked about, you know, time and time again on this show. But I just don't get how you could objectively evaluate what has transpired and then say, if we get rid of Gabe Kapler, we're good to go. And oh, by you the can't. way, oh, by the way. You fired the, the pitching coach, fine. And I, I, you know, Chris Young, I think, does a lot of things really well. And, and we've talked about the possibility of them reassigning him within the organization, fine. He's a good information guy. He can probably bring some value that way. He did some really good things with the Astros, too. I mean, I, you, can't, you can't totally discount that. But you have to move on from him. I just don't understand how you can set half of your coaching staff. Like, you saw what came out over the weekend. I believe they it was Megan Montemurro in The Athletic, yeah. and it might have been Gelb with her. I'm not sure. But they're bringing back components of this coaching staff. Not How do you go half in and then say, oh, we're going to go bring in a Joe Girardi? Or not, not only that, not only that, not only are they bringing back half of the coaches, and we don't know who. We could guess. We have a pretty good idea. Who the, who the half are that are coming back. But how can you say we're bringing half of the coaching staff back before you even know if you're bringing the manager back? I mean, yeah. or, 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 you can't. The it's, one guy I would say that if 
I'm pretty sure that uh, Bobby Dickerson will be back. Yeah. The infield coach. Yes. He, they were so much better defensively this year. Well, uh, he's, it couldn't be worse. I know. They, it couldn't be a lot worse, but he's <laughs> he's got a track record. I think that he yeah. fits the mold of if whatever direction you ultimately decide to go in. He he can fit in that in that staff. But it just And I think Robbie me. Thompson's going to be back too, right? I just don't understand how – like why are you making these – these periphery or peripheral decisions and then not and you haven't come to a firm conclusion about the biggest one well let me ask you this bob bobby dickerson kind of old school i mean I, I guess so yeah robbie thompson a little old school yeah you see where i'm going with this right are you going like Buck Showalter? No, well, no. What I'm saying is, is the guys that they're wanting, that they are going to keep, that they're going to bring back, fit more of the mentality of the way things used to be, sure, and not necessarily the way things are, right? And so the question then now becomes: Are they trying to blend and say this is going to be our connection to the old school mentality, and then we're going to bring in some new school people and try and make it work again, or are they or are they indicating that a shift? in philosophy is going to happen coming forward. So that's that's what I don't know. That's what I'm not a not aware of at this point. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's certainly still to be seen. You better get better players. Yes. You have to find a way to upgrade in talent. Yes. And I don't care about old school, new school. And it's a shame it's probably a great thing for Matt Clentak that this is where the focus is on this conversation because it completely overlooks the fact that you need to add at least two starting pitchers. You need to add at least two to three meaningful bullpen pieces. You need to add probably two or three bench options. You need to add at least one more big bat in the middle of the lineup. And, oh, by the way, you know what the biggest mistake of all would be? To bring back a team with a tweak here and a tweak there. No. They need to fundamentally alter the core of this team. And I don't know how you do that. There's no easy answer. Last year, we said this was a young team that did some good things. They fell apart down the stretch. Go get a bullpen piece. Go get a superstar. And they're going to take the next step. And go get a starting pitcher or two as well, which right. we, we yes. had certainly noted numerous times. They didn't do that. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why we're here now. But the obvious answer isn't out there. You can go throw $240 million at Garrett Cole all you want. And I hope they do. I mean, he made himself some money the other night, that performance. 15 strikeouts, I believe it was Saturday night. Yep. He was unbelievable. But Garrett Cole alone wouldn't fix this. No. So uh, that's where I I really uh, have some concern. They are, they are so far, and we're going to get into the baseball playoffs later in the show. They are so far currently behind the Braves and Nationals. It's not even funny. I mean, let alone the Dodgers. But there's just the Braves and Nationals, just in the division, the Phillies aren't even close to those two teams. The way that they're playing in these playoffs and the talent that they have and what they're able to trot out there from inning to inning, it's it's night and day. It just really is. The Phillies don't compare. They need half their roster needs to turn over. And I don't think you could turn over half of a roster in one off season. You just can't do it. And and, and find the cohesion that you need. To really compete. I, I'm concerned, and this is something I want to talk about later in the show, I, I don't think that the Phillies can do enough this offseason to get to where Atlanta and Washington are in 2020. It might have to wait till 2021, and that's pretty, that's pretty sad. 
That's pretty sad. We'll talk about it though as we come when we come back from the break. If you want to join us, 888-728-9941 is the number here at 610. And uh you're listening. Oh, before before we go to the commercial break, Bob, something we have to I guess we have to officially announce is that Crossing Broad Radio has kind of grown here at 610. Uh I will be staying on the airways for an additional hour after our show. Joined by Russ Joy for Snow the Goalie. Our Flyers podcast will now be coming out to you live on Monday nights. And, uh, and I can't we're all believe you guys aren't letting me hang around for that. You're welcome to hang around, <laughs> Bob. You're absolutely welcome to hang around to talk hockey. Um, and then uh, moving forward, we're going to have so we're going to have two hours every week. And our show is going to kind of transition. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, but it's, it's going to be uh, – we're probably going to move Snow the Goalie into this 5 to 6 and then Crossing Broadcast, which is our flagship podcast, uh, is going to kind of take the 6 to 7. We'll probably hop on if there's big Phillies news, uh, if, 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 like if the fire the manager, for example. It'll be me and you again here yeah, next week. Yeah, that'll be a uh, rotating cast. You'll we'll have Kevin Kincaid, Kevin who's Kincaid. our Sixers guy. Yep. Ross will obviously be part of that. You and me yeah. uh, can talk a little bit about uh, about hockey and uh, baseball. So it's going to be a, a little bit of everything. But Get yeah. some Eagles talk involved as but well. But we're going to have two hours, of, two hours of sports conversation every Monday here on 610. So that's a pretty big thing, huh? Yeah, it's, it's good, good stuff. stuff. I know, uh, I know, I know Ryan, Russ is very excited. Ryan's very excited. Ryan's excited yeah. to have two live shows, and Russ is, Russ is like a kid in a candy store. He's sitting yeah. right next to me the whole time here. He just can't wait. He just can't wait. He's getting himself all pumped up and ready to go. But we'll talk, uh, talk more Phillies when we come back on the other side. You're listening to Crossed Up Radio here on 610 ESPN Radio. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the why for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the why, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the Y as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the Y. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. Welcome back to Crossed Up here on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel talking all things Philadelphia Phillies with you. 
And Bob, I know you wanted to ask a question about the fans and how what it would take for them to, to really buy into this team. To be excited about the 2020 Phillies. We've heard a lot about how you can't bring Gabe Kapler back because they won't be able to sell season tickets. I, I don't know if that's true or not. If the Phillies got off to a 10-2 and two start next season and Gabe Kapler was the manager, I think that people would be excited. They may not do well in the winter time, but I guess more than anything, what will make the fans excited? Like if they go out and, and Joe Girardi is the manager for the 2020 season and they don't make any meaningful upgrades to the player personnel, will fans be excited? You know, will the older fans be more invested in the Phillies because they won't have to listen to Gabe Kapler uh, talk positive about his players and, you know, go to his computer for every decision that he makes? Is that going to get the fans excited? Because I don't think that really matters at all. Like, let me just say this. Like, I grew up a Phillies fan, and I, though I'm in the media now, uh, I still have a reaction to the, the Phillies, you know, and, and the way things are going. I don't care if they hire Joe Girardi, if they trot out the same pitching staff next season, if they have no bench, if they ran back the same nine players that they started with on August 30, you know, August 30th. Like, I, I don't care. I wouldn't be gobbling up season tickets as a fan. So what will make the fans excited? So that's, I mean, it's a good question, but I, I'll say this. If you go from... 2018 to 2019 there was certainly an influx of fans at citizens bank park this year right attendance was up phillies were one of those teams that one of the few teams in baseball that had attendance numbers go up obviously the reason for that was bryce harper uh, you know i mean there was no doubt about it but bryce harper signing is the reason fans came back to the ballpark this year and then of course they got off to a great start and so everybody was all pumped up in April and excited and all right, let's go buy some more tickets. And so that's why they had great ticket sales, you know, March and April. I will tell you right now that those that's it. Those fans are they they're there, right? They're in. They're your loyalists. They're going to they're going to show up. They're going to come see the Phillies play. You cannot get a spike next year. I don't think that there's anything that can happen to increase your ticket sales until at least late July, August next so, year. So no signing of Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, no. bringing back Cole Hamels, nothing. No. If Gabe Kapler's back. If he's back, no. Man. I think the only way you get the old-timey fans – who are the ones who are holding out. And there are people, believe me, there are people not going to the games right now. So, so no matter stuck what... Stuck in their heads. No matter what GM Matt Clentock. Clentock. Uh, I yes. love that. Clentock. Clentock. Yeah. Yeah. No if matter... over the age of 55 calling Sports Talk Radio, it's the, Matt Clentock. <laughs> there are people who are not going to these ga- to Phillies games, weren't this year and won't go at the beginning of next year or into next year because Gabe's the manager. And they might be completely misguided on that. Is Bob? it possible that we have a Charlie Manuel situation on our hands here where, you know, everyone's always quick to point this out. People didn't like Charlie at first. I think the people didn't like Charlie for different reasons that they don't like Gabe. Then they don't like Gabe. What is it? I then? think they thought Charlie was stupid. Okay. I really do. That, I, that proved to be untrue. So, okay. So that's a hit to the fan credibility. Well, yeah. But I mean, but it was a lot different then, too, because you, you couldn't really look at it statistically. 
the way you look at it today? I mean, fans have so much more at their fingertips today than they did in 2006 when Charlie was sure when they want to get rid of Charlie. Absolutely. Um, and I think that there's a lot more credence, I think, or at least fans believe that there's more credence in what they can what they can pull up on their phones or on their computers today to justify them having that argument that they couldn't do 12 years ago, 13 years ago. One of the disappointing things about the Gabe Kapler era to this point, and it may be over, I thought when they hired him that, and again, I don't know who's new to the show here, who's listening for the first time. My stance is I've always been pretty pro-Gabe. Uh, I, don't, I don't blame him for this, and I actually think that he's done some things to improve as a manager and that he deserves a crack at a third year, but if they fired him, I, I get it. You know, I think that's kind of where I'm at now. I thought that when they named him manager that he was going to be fun. Like, I thought that there would be a lot of night to night like oh that quirky Gabe Kapler like well, well, they didn't have, they have the disco ball and the lights in the yeah, clubhouse like, at the beginning I guess I, guess yeah. I just thought like <laughs> covering Gabe Kapler would be in and out, like content would write itself with him you yeah. know like there would always be some comment or some funny thing that happened or I, I don't know you know what I'm saying yes. like you know when, when he was hired and you obviously had the coconut oil stuff and you saw the photo shoot he's like you know at a farm and he's got his arms stretched out <laughs> along the wooden fence and you know you got the blog and you just have all these things and I was like this has a chance to be really fun and it just like it never, never was fun and even when they were winning it wasn't that fun you know and that's one thing that that I kind of found interesting. And the only reason why I really bring that up, I mean, because, you know, it's really fun winning. Yeah. But the reason why I bring that up is just because I just feel like people hate this guy. Like, well, I feel like they hate him. Well, well, and I feel like it's completely unfair. And I just wonder if they got good, if they had some real pitching talent and they started to win games and he loosened up and he continued to be himself. Mm. I don't like know. Maybe maybe, so like maybe let him be himself. I think the Phillies have kind of muted him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'll give you a few. A few. We talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago, I, and I made this reference. Gabe could be Andy Reid. Andy Reid was successful here. Fans didn't particularly like Andy Reid because of the way he presented himself. Came across as a little smug, right? Sure. Came across as a little bit, I know more than you. But you know what's so right. like you're looking at me right now and you're nodding. Are you implying that Gabe Kapler acts like he knows more than everybody else? And he comes across that way. See, I don't think that. Like, I think that he's actually a pretty genuine dude. Like, and I think he like, very well may be, Bob. And, but I, I feel like he also is the kind of guy that's like, hey, listen, like you have a different perspective than me. Like, I understand that. That like, doesn't come across a little bit. Yeah, I don't think this, like I don't see this. I don't view him as this condescending. I know more than you. Stay in your lane type of guy. I don't. Yeah, you, I, I don't. But you're down there. Yeah. You talked to him, right? Like, I, I, I didn't talk to him last year, and I wasn't down there in, in 2018, and I never really got that. Like yeah. with Andy Reid, I I used to I used to see it, yeah. but like Gabe, you know, and that's the other thing with Gabe. Like he's always been very complimentary of the organization, very complimentary of the fan base. You know, even to the point where you know sometimes you're like Gabe, like you're lying, man. Just. Well, well, that's the thing. Take a shot at the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Say that you're tired of opening up Twitter and, and seeing your name getting just blasted across yeah. the Twitterverse. Like, take a stab at someone occasionally. But he doesn't do that, and he's always taking the high road. And, like, do you think people in the city would respect him more if he, he did do that? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I just feel like there's this, this animosity towards this guy, and I don't think it's really deserved. Yeah. I, I Well, I hear you. And, and I'll tell you, I guess the, the best, probably the best comparison is Brett Brown. 
right? I mean, there's a there's a faction of Sixers fans who hate Brett Brown. I'm glad you brought up Brett. But Brett Brown is, <laughs> but Brett Brown is very gregarious. Yeah. He's very out. He's honest. He's open, mostly honest. He's open, and people tend to like him because of his personality. And I think his personality is what differentiates you him would from say Gabe that Kapler. Overwhelmingly, though, I mean, there is certainly a minority opinion that that does not like Brett Brown. But you would say overwhelmingly that the people in the city like him. I right? think it's a pretty. I think it's pretty split. I would say the majority likes Brett Brown. The majority. But I think there's a split. I think that's a it's it's not as I don't think it's as overwhelming. I just kind of figured that we in this city had evolved as a fan base. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like we evolved as a fan base. Like you go through the process and you start to understand the value of alternative thinking, a different philosophy than just bring your lunch pail to work every day. Like I thought that Philadelphia was moving beyond that. And I guess I'm surprised that there's just and I guess it's the 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 game of baseball sort of I don't know that the fandom or the fans of baseball evolve maybe the way that, that some of the younger fans of other sports do. But there's just been this complete resistance to him and like what he represents. I, I find that very interesting. And that's part of the thing. I was caught off guard by that. And I really felt like we were gonna look at this guy and kind of go, like, this could be this could be different. This could be fun. That's part of what John Middleton is weighing right now. Um, but the Phillies did make a change, although, again, they haven't announced it yet. This has just been reported. But they did and uh, they did take Chris Young out of the role of pitching coach. I won't say he was fired because the report also is that he may stay. He may. We don't know. He may stay in the organization in some other capacity like he did previously with, with Houston, um, kind of just like kind of working in the data side of things. Um a move that had to be made, I think, considering the stories that came out. Uh, the big one was Matt Gelb and Megan Montemuro's story about the pitchers not really responding to responding him. to his his thought processes. And then Zach Eflin, how well he pitched after he stopped doing yeah. what Chris Young asked him to do. Um, so that change had to happen. Um, I, I don't know what the I don't know how the fans are going to react to him staying in the organization. I who. I forget who it was. Somebody last week, it might have been Breen, one of the writers, uh, made the comparison to uh, Milton from Office Space. <laughs> where, like, you got guys floating around this building right now that are showing up to work every day, and you don't even know if they're going to be employed by this team in 24 hours. Yep. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Like, to do this to not really only to Kapler, but we, I guess we don't know the dynamics, to be fair, what's going on with Chris Young. He might have already said, like, no, I'm not coming back, and we don't know this. Right. But, you just have these guys walking around this building right now, going to work every day, and you're like, "What are, what are they, they doing? What's what are their, they doing here? What's their job? Yeah, what are they, really what's their have no role at this point." Um, yeah, I don't know what the fans are going to think. I mean, would the fans really be like, "You are a very cranky person if you are a Phillies fan and you are offended by Chris Young be a, being reassigned in some capacity for next season?" Like, does that really? Like, that can't possibly actually bother you. Not to mention, he was very successful in an assistant role in Houston, which has been one of the best organizations in the sport over the last five years, considering how they rebuilt that team and the success that they're having now. Like, it's not like this guy comes with no credentials whatsoever. Uh, although I will say this. You're right. You're not wrong. But the, but the asterisk I'll put on that is Houston's got talent. 
Yes, they got I, ten. I agree with that. So yes. I mean, sometimes Helping Justin Verlander. Well, I mean, there was some credit to him though. Like, yeah, you know, Justin Verlander reinvented himself a little bit, and he is. Yeah, I mean, on the record is giving Chris some, some sometimes credit for that. talent talent yeah. will overcome no matter what no matter what Houston might have in place philosophically. If you have great talent, come on, they have great talent. They got Vince Velasquez. They got Nick Pavetta. Come on, man. They had uh, Enyel De Los Santos. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. It, no, I mean, I I agree with you. Uh, but I could, I guess, maybe use that uh, the other way too. He, he didn't have talent. You know, it's like sure. You wanted him to what? Make Vince Velasquez become well, he a number looked like a, he two starter? He would have looked like a genius. He would have been a tremendous pitching coach if he had Verlander, Cole, and Greinke. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this to, to support him. I, I don't think, based on what we saw this year, that he probably the, the, my, should have retained My his biggest job. complaint with him is that no pitchers got better. Exception of maybe Ranger Suarez. Yeah, and it seemed right? like, and and I don't know exactly uh, what was in the athletic story off the top of my head. I guess my sense of it was, and I don't want to repeat what was reported if this is kind of the gist of it, but I got the sense that he was a very good information guy. He provided a lot of, of, of data and, and things that were usable for pitchers that they could digest and understand. But then when it came time to make tweaks, when it came time to adjust mechanically, feel for for the game and how to kind of navigate certain in-game situations he wasn't particularly effective at that yeah well, and, and i think that that's where they're going to have to improve. well there was th- they had 31 different pitchers this year 31 and amazing. the only one that we can come up with who improved was ranger suarez <sighs> yeah i mean i think that zach eflin may have taken a step but again you, can't, you certainly can't, can't credit use, him can't, for zach eflin right you know exactly. when, when the guy basically came out and said i'm gonna do it my way yeah yeah i mean he probably took a little bit of a step so but. i think that that's that's more reason than anything else as to why the change has to happen there right so now the question becomes who's the new pitching coach going to be you got any names I, I i'll tell you who i want to hire as a new pitching coach okay former new york mets manager mickey calloway uh, Who, boy, he really doesn't like Gabe either. Yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't talk about shaking things up. Well, uh, <laughs> first thing kind of jumps jumps out at me is that Gabe Kapler and Mickey Calloway are both 44 years old. So yeah. uh, it's not like one would be the elder in this situation. I, I got to say, it's an, an intriguing idea. Um, talk about guys maybe not getting what they quite deserved. I know he had a little like uh, spat with the media, and I know that turned a lot of people off, but they made a big time improvements from from 2018 to 2019. I think they improved by like nine games. Not only that, they improved in season. Yeah, I mean they I were mean, terrible at the beginning of the year. You talk about it looked like the the train was going off the tracks there at the middle of the season. Remember they they got swept by the Phillies in that four game series at the end of June. Yeah, and it looked like they were they were going to be they a were dead in the water. Team. Yeah, they were dead in the water. And they finished strong. They make a little playoff push at the end. I mean, I I don't know. So like, let's talk about what his resume looks like before he even got to the Mets. He was uh, hired by the Indians in 2013 to be the pitching coach from 2014 to 2017. They led the American league in strikeouts all four years, hmm. uh, had a direct hand in, in Corey Kluber, uh, emerging as a, a perennial Cy Young c- candidate. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the track records there that, that Indian staff for a three, four year stretch was arguably the best in baseball and one of the best staffs of the entire decade. I, I think he turned around Trevor Bauer too. Yeah. Trevor Bauer was not a, not a, an especially big name prospect. And all of a sudden he became a legit talent. 
he got a lot out of uh, Carrasco, who had a lot of injuries, right? Yeah, and he got yeah. got got Carlos a lot Carrasco out of him. Was another guy, yeah. Um, I mean, I just think that he did well with a lot there. Um, to me, it's a it's a it's a guy that has a good track record in the modern game. Uh, you know, with guys who throw hard, throw heat. Um, that said, I mean, he wasn't he was the manager of a Mets team that had a terrible bullpen, which is probably so, so I do have some then. questions about this. So yeah. like, let's talk about the, the flip side of it, though, because you say, well, he was a successful pitching coach in Cleveland. So, hey, this yeah. makes a lot of sense. I, I guess there's two things that I would want to have answered uh, ahead of time here. One. What happened to Edwin Diaz this year? Yeah, like, yes, the Mets bullpen was not very good. But he was outstanding he, with the Mariners. He comes to New York, and he was awful. Why couldn't Mickey Callaway work with that? Right. Because, like, you say, well, it's not the manager's job. But if your job is to have a pitching background and you have an 85-year-old pitching coach, like, guess what? He's probably got something to do then with, with the pitching staff. Right. So that's just a question I have. And you I can't agree. hold someone responsible for every single player's failings. I mean, I'll be the first to tell you that. Right. That's one question. The other question I have is you have a guy like Jacob deGrom. You have Noah Syndergaard. Uh, you have Zach Matt Wheeler. And, and Zach Wheeler. And Syndergaard specifically was up and down. Wheeler started to turn a corner, I thought, especially in the second half of 2019. He was yep. really good after the All-Star break. But what did the pitchers have to say about Mickey Callaway? Those guys in that starting rotation. It's a good question. Mickey Callaway's not there anymore. And if you're just going by wins and losses and what the expectations were, by the way, like nobody ever had the Mets as a World Series team this year. It's no. not like that the Mets were prime for some monster we, season. We all thought they were a fourth place team. Yeah, they year. were going to be a, a 500 team, maybe in the mid-80s max. Like kind of right where they finished. Yeah. So what was the variable that ran Mickey Callaway out of town? The did, fact, they, did the owner talk to the players? I, apparently that's something that happens. Maybe. I think it's more that there are bigger names out there and they're going to try and attract a, a bigger name to come in. It's the same thing that we talked about last week when Brad Ausmus got canned by the by the Angels. By the Angels, yeah. Like after one season, right. you know, they had just given him a big contract. They didn't have the talent to win this year. And, you know, we everyone knew that, and yet he still got fired because they want to go after Joe Madden. So – I mean, that's that's really uh, I mean, that's really I think that's the same thing with the Mets. I think the Mets are looking at it and saying we can make a splash. We can go get a Girardi. We can go get a Madden. Uh, let's make the change now um, and just and just do it. So, yeah. So, I mean, it makes some sense. I get it. Uh, it's definitely a name worth consideration, but I, I don't know. Bob, when we get back on the other side of the break, I want to talk about the playoffs. Because the NL playoffs I just wanted to go playoffs playoffs. Uh, yeah. The NL playoffs impulse. have been fantastic. American League playoffs, not so much. But the NL playoffs have been great theater. And it's just sitting here, and it's just frustrating because you're sitting there, I'm sitting here saying to myself, did I really believe that the Phillies could be involved in this a couple yeah. months back? Like back in May, and yeah, was I sitting there saying, the Phillies could have been part of this? Yeah, like May 15th, I was like, the I Phillies like, are going to be in the playoffs this year. I'm watching these games, and I'm like, no prayer. Yeah. They had no shot. Yeah. But I want to talk about the playoffs when we get back. You're listening to Crossed Up here on 610 ESPN Radio. At any given moment, somewhere in America, a baby is taking a first step, a developmental milestone. But for too many parents, a baby's first steps aren't just a milestone. They're a miracle. These are the parents of babies who were born prematurely or with birth defects. 
It's a crisis affecting more than half a million babies in the United States each year. You can help them by joining volunteers like you who walk in March for Babies. The money you raise funds research and local programs that help babies overcome the challenges of premature birth and birth defects. Together, our steps make stronger, healthier babies a reality for thousands of families. Sign up today at marchforbabies.org to take the steps that help make milestones and even miracles possible. Who will you march for? They just told us right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We can never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because, because of, of you. you. There is St. Jude. And we are back here on Crossed Up on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel. Bringing it home till 6 p.m. when we go to Snow the Goalie, also part of the Crossing, Crossing Broad Radio Network here on 610, where Russ and I, Russ Joy and I, will be talking on all things Philadelphia Flyers from 6 to 7, so be sure to stick around for that. Bob? So we spent the last month of the season yeah. talking about the Phillies maybe making a wild card push. Mm-hmm. And you never know. You just, you just get into the dance and you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. One thing has become painfully obvious after watching just three, four games in the playoffs here in each of these series. Phillies would have been out of this thing by now. It would have been over. Yeah. We would have been talking right now, and the Phillies would have been eliminated. Yes. No shot. They would have been gone. It is. They are so – I mean, we know it. We acknowledge it that they weren't even on the same plane or on the same planet as these other teams. But, I mean, my God. Like we, I'll tell you another thing. Like we didn't even talk about the Cardinals – Hardly at all this year. And this Cardinals team, they're good. Yeah. They're a good team right now. I mean, I know they're losing. Though right by now, the time, if you're listening to the recorded version yeah. of this, uh, they, they, they could be, eliminated. be eliminated from the postseason. But no, it's but. the middle of game four right now. It's 4-3 Braves in the six, as we're saying this. Um, but, uh, but I mean, even the Cardinals, not that the Phillies would have matched up with them. The Phillies would have had to, you know, win a wild card game and then would have played the Dodgers. But even the Cardinals are significantly better than the Phillies. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the Cardinal. Uh, but I'll tell you, the one thing that I want to really talk about about the playoffs, Bob, especially the National League, I'm watching these Braves play. I'm watching the Nationals play. And, and the, I'm not sure that the Phillies are going to be close enough next year to these two teams. Like, they might, even if they make, like, even if they go out and sign somebody big like Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon, whatever, I don't know if a big signing like that or even two signings, are enough to close the gap between them and the top two teams in the division. So, if you look at Rendon specifically, let's just imagine a scenario in which Anthony Rendon comes to Philadelphia, which 
I don't know. I mean, I know the Boris connection and trying to prop up Bryce Harper's profile and make Philadelphia, you know, a marketable team. Rendon hit 319 with 126 RBI, 412 on base percentage, OPS like near 1,000, over 1,000, whatever it was. I don't have it in front of me. I think he was over 1,000 mm-hmm. now. That is a huge, huge upgrade. Does that buy you an extra three wins, four wins? Maybe. P- probably? Yeah. You get a little healthier in your bullpen. You make some savvy moves, which I question if they're capable of doing that. Does that get you another two, three wins? Okay. Maybe. And then you tack in, uh, you know, tack on one more guy that you plug into the back of your rotation that, that maybe gives you another win or two. Like, Could the Phillies be a 90-win team with Anthony Rendon in the middle of this lineup and some shrewd moves? Possibly. Like, is it impossible? No. But right now, if you're betting on that, like, if, if you said to me, I'll give you even odds right now, will the Phillies make the postseason next year? Even the, with the subtraction of Rendon from the Nationals lineup, I would say probably not. Right. It, it is hard to envision a scenario in which they get to where they want to be. Right. I just think they have to do too much. But, like, so what do you do? Do you tweak and add? Do you just throw big money at a couple free agents and hope that that gets you over the hump because you're so far down this path? Or do you say, okay, listen, we have JT Real Muto. He's going to be a part of our foundation moving forward. We have Bryce Harper. He's clearly going to be our guy moving forward. But the rest of this core, we've got to do something. And when I say do something, I'm talking about getting a little bit weird. We've talked about the possibility of, of trading Reese Hoskins. And that is an option, though. I don't think it's the likely outcome. And Scott Lauber, last week, who was on our show, talked about that. Right. Said this is one of their success stories, com- comparatively, to, to what they've done. So I don't see it, is what he said. Okay. But what happens if like, you get the right deal and someone says, we sure, you know, we really like Scott Kingery. So he's young. He's versatile. He doesn't make a lot of money. He's controllable. I'll tell you what. Let's do a deal around Scott Kingery. Now, it seems almost unthinkable that the Phillies would trade him. But, like, don't you have to do something? And I'm not – please don't misinterpret this. You don't have – I'm not saying that they're going to or should trade Scott Kingery. But I'm saying don't you have to do something a little bit – Little, like, let's get a little weird here, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I wonder. Yeah. It's look, the Phillies don't have anything to trade. Because they're not going to trade Alec Bohm. They're and who else you got? Spencer Howard. I mean, that's really it. I mean Yeah. I mean, really, there's no young prospects that other teams want besides those two guys. So the Phillies can't trade from their organizational depth. They can only trade from their major league roster. Right. If like, they're gonna if they're gonna get anything of value. I okay. Mean, a guy like Hazley might have some value. Hazley's a fourth outfield. Yeah, right, Medina took a step back yes. this this season. So yeah, I mean I, I, I agree. I hear you. So you're you're but you, you getting wild that- and getting crazy. Might be the only way to do it. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you want to make a trade, if if we're going to get involved in the trade market, it's it's got to either be Kingery or Hoskins. Or Hoskins yeah, right? yeah, so, it can't be anybody else. You would agree with me though that the expectation from this ownership group will be find a way to get us to the postseason next year, right? Yeah. I mean, Matt Clentax's talked at length about we don't want to just be good for one year, and I'm sure that John Middleton will recognize that. Like, we don't want to go all in just to make the postseason for one year and then take five steps back again. But I think that the mandate's going to be get to the postseason at all costs. It's been a decade now. Yeah. It's time. 
And I just wonder now, like, and the Phillies, I think, knew what they were back in July. So now, okay, you've been looking at this for the last three months. What's the plan? Once we figure out who the manager is going to be, which we should know probably in the next 24 to 48 hours, should. Maybe. Should know, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if Mr. Middleton's done talking to everybody yet, but, uh, you know, that being said, like, the plan here, the approach to this offseason, what is it going to be? And I, I couldn't tell you right now. The Phillies, if nothing else, Bob, are going to be an interesting offseason drama. For the second straight year, they'll be more interesting in the offseason than, than they were during the, during season. the season. I mean, one thing that I could say about this, and I've had this conversation with multiple people. I, you know, I've gone on other radio shows on, on different channels. I guess I don't know we're allowed to say that. So I've been on other people's shows, though. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about how boring the product is. And uh -huh. I know that baseball... As a as a sport, and we have somebody sitting in the studio that would love to chime in on this. Baseball as a sport is not the most entertaining product these days, right? That's a that's a Russ Joy take. But the Phillies specifically just aren't a fun team to watch. They're not. But you, you want to get people in the stands again to figure that out. Play like these teams are playing in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I I'll tell you what. It's it's amazing how things Develop change. Develop a Ronald Acuna. It's a, <laughs> like, it's amazing how things change come playoff time. Because teams are they're they're manufacturing runs, they're stealing bases, they're moving the runners I'm along. Because people say when the NFL playoffs roll around, there's nothing like the NFL playoffs, and I love the NFL playoffs. No, third, there's nothing like playoff hockey. Third, third, NFL is third. I to miss me. playoff baseball. Baseball was, and hockey significantly better in the playoffs than football. Yeah, it's like just even like the the drama of it. And I know I'm going to sound like a nerd here, but just you you see the stadium, yep. and you you see the, the just. Pack Stadium, the crisp air, yeah, uh, the bunting, yes, the outfield. Oh my god, I, I agree. That baseball and hockey playoffs, the 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 just the the feeling of it is so much better than football. Yeah, when they were good, I was like 20, 22, 23. I'd just gotten out of college. Uh -huh. I went uh, the year they won the World Series to to all but one home playoff game, the uh, Victorino Grand Slam off of uh, CC Sabathia. I, I missed that game, and. Thank God I did, because <laughs> I, I didn't realize that I had to soak it up. You know, I'm going to be an old man pushing 35 by the time these guys even have a crack at the postseason, man. I just never in a million years thought, and I think, and the reason why I bring this up is because never in a million years did I think in 2011 when they missed the playoffs for the first time since 06, that it would take nine years to get back. Mm -hmm. I, really, I really thought this team, this market, uh, the way that they draw fans, this ownership group, they'll never miss the postseason. Phillies won the World Series when I was six, 1980. Okay, I was six. The next time they were in the World Series, I was 19. The next time they were in the World Series, I was 34. Yeah, so so, I, so I don't, don't, don't tell so me about how long you have to birthday, wait. Don't tell me how long tickets. you have to yeah. wait. For this to come to fruition, because yeah. I've been a patient, patient individual my whole life with but this team. I, the reason why I mention this, though, is because I think a lot of fans felt like that. I'm sure the ownership group felt like that. We'll, we'll never go two, three, four years. We're the Yankees. We're the Red Sox. Yep. Sure, we'll have a year where things don't go right, but we'll always be right back there. Yep. And I think that that matters in how you approach the 2020 season. 
you have to you have to take into consideration. I'm sorry. I know that if you I know you might want to look at things analytically, look at things objectively, and say it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It only matters what's happening from here on out. But you have to understand, and you have to work under the context that it has been ten years, or it's approaching ten years since this team has mattered in this city. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, and and that it's just. It's disappointing, Bob. It, it's just it's just disappointing. I sit here and I watch these games. I watch, I've I've watched more baseball than I have anything else this, this past weekend. It's crazy. It's we're in the NFL season, and I'm watching out yeah, of I market over last night for the ninth inning of the Braves game, game yeah. three, the I, comeback. I'm watching out of market baseball yeah. playoffs ahead of you know the NFL, and, and it, because it's this, it's that much more riveting. And I, and I'm sitting there frustrating myself because I'm sitting there saying. We're not. We're nowhere close. Let me ask you this before we get out of here. I know we yeah. have to wrap up in a couple minutes. Um, so yesterday at the Eagles game, I was there. I looked up, and I know that they probably talked about it on TV or it was on Twitter after the fact. But I looked up, and I saw Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper hanging out in a box over Section 125. Uh, both of their wives were there, or if, uh, I think uh, Reese is engaged. No, he's married. Uh, he got he married, married last year. Did they get year. married? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, Bryce Harper's baby uh, was there, and they're hanging out. Good times, and they're, they're chilling, watching the Eagles blow out the Jets. Uh, the idea that, that Reese Hoskins could be traded. Harper and Hoskins are friends. Uh, they hang out. Their, their wives like each other. Does any of that matter? I've seen that floated around today a little bit. Like, you know, people are going to go to Bryce and say, what do you want to see here? What do you think? You know, and he says, well, hey, I really like Reese. I'd, I'd prefer you don't trade him. Does, does that matter? Does, does Bryce, that relationship Does matter? Bryce Harper have the cachet that, sh- that, say, LeBron has or Michael Jordan had or any other, like, major I, I superstar does? I think that does. Bryce Harper's opinion matters big time in that organization. Then Probably he, more than it should, but I guarantee you that part of the, the recruitment process of Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper was – you matter. You're part of this. Yeah. You're going to be here for 10 years. You're going to help us build this thing. Then if he wants Reese Hoskins as his teammate, Reese Hoskins stays his teammate. Yeah. I mean, that's how I look I at it. I saw, you know, you open up uh, Bryce's Instagram. I think it was on the Phillies account, too. You see them hanging out. There's a picture, and you go, I don't know that he's going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he is either. I, I, again, if you blow me away, if you're offering me a, st- a stud starting pitcher in return – yeah, I would, yeah, I would. You have to absolutely consider that avenue, but at the same time, I, I'm not looking to move Reese Hoskins just to move Reese Hoskins. So, but anyway, so uh, Bob, we may be back next week. <laughs> we may we may be here if the if there's a change at the manager position. If it happens quick, like tomorrow or Wednesday, you and I will probably do one. We will do a show. Uh, yes, we will we'll do, do a, a show podcast to react to, that, to, react that to it. Um, we'll do it either way. I right, mean, but I'm just yeah. saying, depending on when it happens, will depend if it's live here on 610 yeah. or if we record one and put it out just through our normal podcasting net, uh, uh, networks. Um, and then uh, if not, uh, I guess I'll you know we'll talk uh, whenever we talk. Um, it's been it's been real. I'll see you on the other side. It's been I feel real, like we're right? going away for the yeah. summer or something. Oh, thanks. Like, it's been sign nice, my Bob. yearbook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want to sign your. I'm going to sign your yearbook right next to Ryan Lennox, who produced <laughs> the show for us. Thanks for doing that, Ryan. Coming up, Snow the goalie with me and Russ, our uh, premiere here live on 610 ESPN Radio. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back with you in just a couple minutes.